everyone, this is Jeanette. Uh, that's the sound of Sophie the cat eating her kibble. Sorry about that, but you know, I can't wait till when she's not eating because she's very fat and she likes to eat a lot. Well, a couple things up front that I just wanted to say before we get into our practicing episode. One is that for obsessions, I reference the show as new, even though it's not. It's been out for a couple years. I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I had just recently watched it on Netflix, so in my mind, I conflated it as new, even though I knew it wasn't new. Another thing is there's this weird clunking noise that occurs every once in a while. I couldn't figure out what it was when I was editing the episode, and I now think it is a Diet Coke can that I was thumping emphatically as I was talking, I guess to accent my points with artificial chemicals. Anyways, I hope you enjoy! So many wrong knots! Let's talk about practicing. Yay! I love talking about practicing. I know, that's the thing. It's so easy to talk about practicing. But yeah. why is it so hard to actually do it? Well, let's think about the most common complaint as a keyboardist is, oh my god, I should be practicing right yes. now. Oh my god, I have so much to practice. I and know. I think... As we're lounging on couches. <laughs> <laughs> and bemoaning it. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's being overwhelmed. Mm. That That's a hurdle to getting started, to just getting going. Yeah. I totally relate to that. Yeah. It's like, you get so excited about a piece, at least for me, I get so excited about a piece yeah. and get completely overwhelmed by all the work yeah. I need to do in order to make the piece sound anything like what I want it to sound. Yeah. Well, actually, my, mine is a little different than that, because yeah. if I am really getting into one piece, like focused yeah. on one piece, then I can go for hours. Sure. But if it's, I have a recital to get ready for and I'm yeah. not ready... And it's a whole program. Or if, like, you know, we have three different programs That's and I right. have to get that ready. Yeah. I'm just like, shit, I don't know the notes. I, how am I going to get the notes learned? It's like a more practical thing yeah. and a more fearful thing. Yeah, and I've been there, too, where you, yeah. there you just have so many things to play that you just don't know. And I think that's probably, like, a ADD thing, right? Like, um, you can get really consumed by something you're obsessed by, mm-hmm. and then you can really do it forever. Like, you can't. Like, time ceases to exist. Yeah. And that's something... I think people call it flow. Yeah. And it, I love it. Like, that's that's what you aim for in uh-huh. your practice. But a lot of times, we get distracted. We can't get yeah. to that point. I would say more often than not, I'm distracted by something. Or by panic. Uh-huh. Well, it's just, you know, I have to learn this. How the, I don't have enough time to yeah. actually learn this. Yeah. So How then it becomes, it? what is... The best way I can fake through this. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is so sad that that is. is more often a thought than it should be. Yeah. Did you always have this kind of relationship with practicing? I was always, yes. And I mean, probably our difference in perspective will be the fact that, like, I am diagnosed with ADD mm-hmm. and throughout my life I've had a lot of trouble practicing. Probably not until my doctorate did I actually learn what it's like to really practice. Mm-hmm. And that's after I got diagnosed because I was diagnosed late. But you know, I would, like, play on a piano for 10 minutes and go off and do something else and then go back. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't just stay there because mine's more ADHD. So I have a lot of things distracting me constantly. Even if there is nothing really distracting me, yeah. I'm distracted. And so, yeah, that was I always was super low self-esteem because I couldn't really sit down and get the work done. Uh-huh. 
you know, getting into different schools, getting different things, winning different things was all kind of like based on potential. Mm-hmm. People thought, oh, I could be good. But to actually put in the work to be good, I never really fulfilled that. Yeah. So I felt like I was the worst disappointment and all uh-huh. that. And it was just, how come I can't do it? I know what I need to do to be successful and I'm not doing it. Yeah. I just can't seem to do it. And it was funny, like saying that to somebody who was actually assessing me, it was like, oh, yes, that is like textbook. And I was, really, there's a thing for that? <laughs> like, there's something that can be fixed? Yeah. Well, yeah. tell me how being diagnosed with ADHD, mm-hmm. did that help you like develop practice techniques? Or did that at least just make you more aware of what you what your you know mo is and how did you improve the situation how well, did I'll that say diagnosis this. improve it i think it was a lifesaver in mm. many ways and all of those factors you said were there i was just being reassured that there was a reason mm-hmm. um that it wasn't me that it wasn't that i'm inherently lazy that was very helpful mm-hmm. um to having sort of like the behavioral coping skills kind of outlined for me so yeah. I could work on things like that. Like having a set schedule was instrumental. Mm. Like just making sure that I actually had structure to my day. Yeah. Um, and and also making sure, like I knew which places were better to practice in than others. Uh-huh. I would go to school and practice always. I wouldn't practice at home. Yeah. Um, that was huge because I would constantly be like rummaging around the kitchen or, oh wait, that thing needs to be cleaned up. Uh-huh. I need to clean that corner. I can't go on with this work unless yeah. that corner's clean. <laughs> like it just, it was ridiculous. Or I had to pet the cat. That was very yeah, important too. Yeah, of course. Always important to pet the cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said something interesting of how you, you really didn't know how to practice mm-hmm. until you were getting your doctorate. Yeah. So can you describe how you were, quote unquote, practicing before the doctorate? And what you actually learned, what practicing was, and what exactly that was to you during the doctorate. I was kind of going on route a lot of times. Okay. I was kind of playing the notes, half concentrating, and then trying to get them down and memorize. Uh-huh. I wasn't really thinking too much because, like, um, like I would think about how I wanted to phrase or shape something. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking about how I was going to make sure this would be secure. Uh-huh. Um, sort of like knowing exact movements knowing exactly how to ensure um being able to choreograph and the physical aspects the technical aspects because they're just sort of like oh it's a gamble Mm -hmm. um and i think knowing those things like paying attention and concentrating on all the steps needed to play something helped me as a teacher yeah yeah um i mean it helped also that i had good teachers when i was very young to Uh sort of outline to me how to think about it um, but I kind of forgot that because I didn't practice thinking yeah. that way. So I found that when I was actually able to concentrate that I had the resources to practice well in mm-hmm. me. I just had to bring them up and actually remember what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What it's, about you? Me, um, I think, first of all, practicing for me as a kid was not fun. Yeah. Because it was, frankly, piano was imposed on me. Right, right. And so I would rather have done anything but practice it. Yeah. So I don't think I really ever learned how to practice well. Because, again, I, I did exactly what you did, which was just play the notes and just try to memorize them. Yeah. And then eventually muscle memory will take over. And yeah. I can, I can, you know, sound like I'm playing. I think I didn't really learn how to practice until... 
I was out in the world being a staff accompanist. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And it's because I had so much music to learn. Yeah. And I was a newbie staff accompanist. Mm-hmm. So a newbie staff accompanist doesn't have the same knowledge of the repertoire. Like some yeah. of these people have been doing it for 20, 30, 40 exactly. years. Exactly, they can just poop it out. So yeah, they've yeah. been playing the Beethoven whatever. Beethoven. For 20, 30 years, and they can do it. Yeah. Me, I'm learning it for the first time, you know? So, I just realized that just repeating something over and over and over again wasn't enough. Yeah. So, I think I developed kind of a systematic way of going, what's hard? Mm-hmm. How can I practice this? Efficiently. Efficiently. Like, yeah. what mechanics are required for yeah. me to do this? And then just isolate those problems. Mm-hmm. And then the the great thing about that is that usually one really hard passage mm-hmm. in a piece has a twin later yeah. on. So it, it actually makes you learn the piece much quicker. Yeah. So it's pretty much, I think, what I learned is that practicing is isolating problems mm-hmm. and fixing them. Yeah. Rather than thinking about it's just this one you have hole. to start from the beginning. Yeah, and, yeah. exactly. Like, you're totally free to jump anywhere you want mm-hmm. and practice whatever you want. Yeah. Just as long as it has an intention behind it to use kind of an Oprah word. That's an Oprah word? Yeah. Okay. You must do everything with intention. Oh. I used to watch a lot of Oprah as a kid. Oh, really? Because I didn't want to be practicing at 4 p.m. <laughs> and Oprah was on at 4 p.m. <laughs> would you have it on while you were playing? Or? No, but there were some times where I would practice during the commercial breaks of TV shows. Mm. So I would have the TV on, watch the show, and the commercial would come on, and I would like <laughs> practice something. Yeah. And then, oh, the TV, the show's back on, and I would and watch. And you go, yeah. yeah. I've done that. I think I probably multitask more than you in terms of having distractions. <laughs> like, I, I specifically remember, like, having catching a eye on the music stand when I was reading a while. I was practicing, quote-unquote, the Saint-Saëns Piano Concerto number two. <laughs> because, and it was the day before I had to compete in Julia P. College. Oh, my God. I just remember, like, am I getting anything done? Yeah, whatever. This is a good book. I can't put it down. <laughs> that is a good book. Yeah. Did you win? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. It was messy. That's always been my thing from not practicing yeah. as a kid was being messy. Yeah. And I specifically remember when I finally learned how to not be messy. Uh-huh. And I was 17. And it was, um, I guess, can be boiled down to getting there before you have to play the chord. Like yeah. a big jump. I would just kind of throw it haphazardly and hope that I got it. That's right. Even so I had like it memorized. And I think it was actually knowing how far to throw, at what angle to throw, yeah. and then being on the key. Like yeah. actually on the key, feeling it, and then going. That's right. And it was like when you do everything in that in one fluid motion and you're grounded while you do it, so that I felt connected to every motion, connected to every leap. Yeah. That was what security brought me. <laughs> um, and I just remember being so surprised every time I played that passage and got it. Yeah. It was Hungarian Rhapsody number 13. And I was like, this this is always correct. <laughs> what is this? I have this magic. Magic. Prepare and know what you have to play before you play. I know. What? And it was probably the most enjoyable practicing experience I've mm. had. 
just because I I was actually getting results. That yeah. I was controlling. Exactly. Do you structure your practice? Like, do you have a schedule for your practice when you practice? As in specific times? Or times or... and what repertoire or passages that you want to think about? Or... Yeah. It's not so much a structure in terms of, like, I always start with scales mm-hmm. or I always start with certain things. And times, I like to practice in the morning. Mm-hmm. I found that that is more effective and more concentrated than later. I used to practice only at night. Yeah. I feel better if I get at least an hour or two in before rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, because after rehearsal, when I come back home, I'm not as I'm distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, the structure is determined on what I need to get done most. So it's just a, okay, we're rehearsing Brahms tomorrow. I got to practice Brahms right now. Well, I mean, I guess what I'm talking about is when you say I have to practice Brahms, mm-hmm. do you just say I have to practice Brahms or are you thinking specifically? Like movements, before, yeah. But not even movements. Like, oh, this, I need to practice this, 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 this? Or are mm-hmm. you just saying, I need to practice Brahms? No, I mean, based on the last rehearsal we had, like, okay. I couldn't play this passage, so I have to start with this passage. Yeah. Yeah. So you're always, like, choosing passages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm learning notes, I will go movements, and then, like, spend a lot of time on one movement kind yeah. of thing. One thing that I haven't done as much, but I know it's true, is that if you really learn something slowly and thoroughly, yeah. then you don't have to repractice it That's over and right. over again. And That's I used right. to always repractice. I know. Like, it was such a waste of time. Right now, my struggle is actually trying to parcel out the time spent in learning a piece so that I actually get that in. And I think with me, it's juggling all the pieces we have to do because it's always last minute yeah. for me. And so now I'm starting to think ahead. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a struggle for me to actually think of that far in ahead. I think probably a good technique for that, if for anyone in a situation where they have to do that, is to have a physical calendar yeah. in which you can visually see how much time you need. That's right. I mean, is that a similar struggle for you? It is very much a similar st- struggle for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to sometimes think ahead. Yeah. Because I get so consumed by what's happening now. Yeah. And I want to do that. Um, I think my primary struggle, and I wrote about this in a blog post. Yes, you did, the lizard. This is the lizard part of our brain. And I think for me, it's a lot of time spent just, frankly, in fear of, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I waste so much time doing it. Um, Because you're starting from the premise of, I can't do it. You're not starting from the premise of, I can do this. Yeah. Because that lizard is telling me, no, you can't do that. Oh, you're going to fuck that up. So then when you're practicing, in your mind, what is the point of practicing? Well, that's, I mean, I also wrote about this too. Yeah. If I force myself and sit down and start doing it, that lizard is gone. Mm -hmm. Like, suddenly all the things that I was afraid of become, you know, interesting problems. Yeah. Rather than things to fear. But it's just that process of fearing that... I, I want to, I don't know. It's I like writer's block, right? It, it's exactly like writer's block, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I don't know how to get past it. I think that's common. I think a lot of yeah, people I suffer think so that. Too. And so your advice would be to just do it. My advice would be to just do it, yeah. yes. Unfortunately, I don't follow my own advice <laughs> because I, I waste so much time yeah. just stewing in my own you know, stupid fear, really. But do you think that you do it more... Now that you've articulated the problem, um, I think 
I think I do it just about the same. I think nothing has changed yet. Okay. However. You have hope that it will. Yeah. I mean, I guess the first step of solving a problem is to state the problem, right? Yeah, to recognize it yeah. and admit it. And I think I, also probably one of the simple solution might be to have a practice buddy. Practice I'd like to find practice buddy. I guess this is easier in a conservatory setting. Yeah. But if you have somebody that makes you practice with them so that they're in another room maybe, yeah. but it's just like, oh, we're going to go to school together and like start practicing. Yeah. So you're forced to do it just because you're, it's like peer pressure also, yeah. but also accountability. No, I mean, I think that's a really good method. I don't think, uh-huh. um, right now in my life, that's going to be hard to set up. Right. And I also want to be practicing because I want to be practicing. Right. Right, but it sort of is necessary for you to not think about what you want. That's true. I'm just thinking of solutions for people to take away. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Uh, and I, I love that practice buddy idea. Yeah? Yeah, I really do. I uh, think you could do it long distantly, like remotely. That's you could true. just be like, I'm going to practice now. Yeah. So this is our time. I mean, as long as you have a good friend that can make that pact with you. That's true. Yeah. It's hard to find people. But... I also think that now that I stated what the problem is, I, I'm a little bit more hopeful. You have no excuses, right? I have no excuses, right? Yeah. And I was actually sitting at home the other day. Uh-huh. Not the other day, because I was in travel. I don't know. I don't remember. The other day could mean all other days. Okay, fine. So, <laughs> you're, you're open. Um, I've been traveling a lot lately. Anyway, um, I was sitting at home, and I was just sitting on the couch, and... This actually happens to me a lot more than I'd care to admit. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm lying down on the couch, literally doing nothing, mm-hmm. except thinking I need to practice, but being afraid to actually go practice. And I just said, you know what, Francis, just get up and practice. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And yeah. next thing you know, I've been practicing. I practiced a lot. So um, I think in that sense, I'm already taking a step. Yeah. Because yeah. you probably would have just tried to avoid that voice forever. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> but I think another thing that you brought up is the verification that what you do will take away that fear. Yeah. Um, and you've had examples where you can refer to that are objective that that did really happen. Yeah. So you always kind of remember that and that just gives you enough confidence to go through with it, right? Exactly. I mean, I think in my situation, uh, at least I have people angry at me if I don't practice. Yeah. So it's like that accountability is something that keeps me going if I don't feel like... Because there's been a lot of days this year, especially, that I have been in a funk. Uh-huh. I've just not wanted to practice. Yeah. And I don't know. There are a lot of reasons, I guess. but Because mm-hmm. um, life gets in the way. But I was just like, I'm rehearsing tomorrow. And I could possibly lose my job. Mm. Like people, like we will sound crappy as an ensemble. And then there's so many more notes, the unfairness of it, right? Uh, I could sit and bitch about that, or I could just actually do, do it. it. Yeah, it's our lot in life to always have more notes. Yeah, and eventually you have to get over it. Yeah, and it's also, frankly, our that's our difficulty. Like, I couldn't play violin. I appreciate how long it takes people to like develop a good sound and the intonation. And I could intonation, never do right? anything about like that. And we, as keyboard players, have the benefit of never having to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And not worrying about our, the, our tone in the same way that string players or wind players have to worry about their tone. You know what I mean? Because they have to blend. Yeah. I mean, yes, pianists have to blend. 
I mean, pianos, two, yeah, you need to like be able to create different tone colors, and you can definitely do that. Yeah. But the tone is the tone, right? Yeah. You're kind of stuck. If the piano's bright, then the piano's bright. The tone is more related to dynamics, yeah. whereas there are so many different varieties of exactly. characters that... So I'd rather deal with a lot of notes than have to think about being in tune and then think about creating a gorgeous sound. Yeah. So we all have our difficulties. I think that's, yeah. that's really the point that I was trying to make. Yeah. We just have to suck it up and yeah. do it. And that's the hardest part. Do you think having models around you actually helps? Like, I do get influenced by people around me. Um, like, for example, Isaac is very meticulous in his practicing. Uh-huh. He really schedules everything out so that he's always, and he always is, he's always solid. He's always, like, super prepared because his philosophy is, first rehearsal, you should be ready for a performance. Yeah. And that influences me because it's just, like, they're always going to be good. Uh-huh. Um, and the way he practices, I have to try to emulate that. Uh-huh. I've even said to him, can I have your schedule of what you broke down on what to work on? Because uh-huh. cause I could probably use that very well. <laughs> or like Teresa, for example, she's been doing this for so long. And she takes it so seriously. Like yeah. she just has to have it down. And if she doesn't feel like she's doing the old, she'll actually say, can we only do one movement? Uh-huh. And, and things like that. Like they know themselves. They know what they can do. Yeah. Whereas I don't really know myself. Like I always think I can do more than I can. Yeah. And so, like, then reality and injury exactly. are, like, there are not 48 hours in one day kind of thing make me realize I can't do it. Yeah. So saying no is a big problem for me. Yeah, yeah. saying no is a big problem for me, too. And yeah. I think that's also, that contributes to our lack of practice. Lack of practice and lack of assessment of yeah, practicing? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of do it. And you don't even think about it. Do you have this problem in which you think that it will take less time than it actually yes. will. And I think a lot of it is because of a company background. I mean, I feel like as a collaborative pianist, I faked a lot and uh-huh. got away with it. Yeah. Because you develop all sorts of stupid tricks. Yeah. Like leaving out a bunch of stuff. <laughs> or like making sure that, you know, it sounds about right, yeah. but you don't... So it, it gives you the false impression that you can actually play a piece. Yeah. So that when you are actually in a chamber performance... It really doesn't it really fly, doesn't. and you feel yeah, like shit. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, saying yes to a lot of things and playing a lot, and then not really practicing, but really just kind of faking. Yeah. Really ruins your technique. Totally. Totally. And yeah. You just like lose chops. You get tense all the time because yeah. you're panicked all the time. Yeah. I find that if I try to learn a piece quickly, and I'm always aware of how quickly the deadline is. I'm not learning anything. I'm not mm-hmm. retaining any knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had has that happened? This happened to me a lot where like I think I had to play something ridiculously hard. Yeah. Like Hindemith tuba sonata. Oh my god, that's so oh, hard. I play that. Yeah. And yeah. I like spend so much time just practicing and practicing one night, and then I go, okay, I think I have a good handle on this, and then the next day, all out doing it. Right? Yeah, it's like where the fuck did all this practicing go? Yeah, I mean that's what I think my biggest struggle with practicing is, is yeah. making sure that this is actually you're effective. Re- yeah, you're yeah. retaining the information. Yeah. And so it's basically pinpointing problems. Yeah. Fixing the problem. It's really that simple. And I think also with what you said, um, when you spend a lot of time practicing something and it doesn't actually have results, yeah. part of it I think is just a very technical thing is that when you relax and you are always grounded, like you're always paying attention to how relaxed yeah, you are, yeah. then you'll physically remember it. Muscle memory will, will actually be 
there. And, and this is verifiable. Like, you practice a few leaps uh-huh. in a tense manner, you're not going to remember any That's of that right. because everything is artificial. Yeah. But then, um, relax, you actually get the true motion that you're supposed to have. Uh-huh. Because, oh, so, so this is the way my brother put it. It's like, he practices gets the notes down and then tries to play everything as relaxed as possible uh-huh. in order to like be in any situation yeah. and i think that's transfers to all instruments yeah is that i think so definitely you you get your notes down and then all the rest of your practice time is spent in trying to do it in as a relaxed way yeah but you can't be in a relaxed way if you don't learn how to say no for both of us i think yeah. we have the same problem is we need to be better about knowing ourselves. Yeah. And being okay with saying no. Well, what steps have you taken this year to do that? This year is a little bit of an exception. That's true. You are doing a lot this year. You kind of have to. But I think what I've been thinking that I'll do is if I have a little bit of doubt, I'll just say no. What defines a little bit of doubt? Like, if I look at a piece mm-hmm. and I go... Do I really want to do this? So it's about what you want to do. I think so. Yeah, because that's what motivates you to practice, right? So it's just like, do I really want to play this clarinet sonata with so-and-so? Yeah. Uh, It's a nice piece, but no. Yeah, so you think about the actual realities of it while you consider the piece. Like That's something I didn't quite get, because... Teresa knows what she wants and, uh-huh. what, and and she knows clearly what she doesn't want to do and she won't do what she doesn't want yeah. to do. And I used to think that was odd because I wasn't quite sure if like maybe I like this a lot more than I think I will. Uh-huh. But if I project into how many hours needed to spend on this piece, that really helps me think about what I really yeah. want to do. I th- yeah, so I think that's the method that I... And you've been implementing that? I've been trying. Cool. There's a lot of guilt Mm-hmm. that I have, yeah. that I think you relate to, uh-huh. just saying no. I think what I've been realizing, because I've been seeing this quality in other people, yeah. especially I, I tend to have some younger friends who are like just finishing their undergrads. And sometimes when I talk to them, I see them struggle with saying no, and they just kind of beat about the bush. Yeah. And I found myself getting really annoyed by that. But then I step outside and I realize that I do the same thing. Yeah. And so I've realized that if someone says no to me, it's not as offensive to me as I think it would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think we conflate that. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, I have to do this. Yeah. If I don't do this, all these things, all these bad things will happen, and you know, none of that mm-hmm. will. And no one really cares. What That's they care about is if you actually do a good job. Yeah. So. And there are tons of situations where I should have said no. And I feel like I represented myself badly because I didn't. Yeah, exactly. And and let's think about all the situations where we actually did say no. Did we get anyone mad at us? No. No. I mean, they were very understanding. No. Everyone is super understanding about, oh, you don't have enough time. That's fine. We'll yeah. find someone else. It's not a big deal. And and it's always like, why was I so scared of that? Know. You know, it's yeah. just a simple phone call or a simple email. That's right. So that's important <laughs> for everyone to keep in mind, yeah. I, I would say. Say no. Know what you can handle and then pinpoint problems and work on those problems just separate from... Don't start from the beginning all the time. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just mostly isolating problems. Mm-hmm. That's really what practicing is. I think a lot of younger kids especially think practicing is playing through their piece. 
Yeah, isolating problems will take care of 99% of the piece that yeah. has the same problem because most likely the technical issue addressed in that one most difficult passage that you can't seem to always get will address the technical issues that surround your entire exactly. playing. I mean, let's talk about advice. Like, just advice that you've gotten from your teachers about practicing that has been helpful to you. I mean, one of the things that has been helpful to me and something I constantly still have to remind myself is that when you are panicked and practicing and preparing for something, like this is what my teacher told me mm-hmm. when I had a week to prepare for it. I was so not prepared for it. And she was just like, well, you've surprised me before, so let's see if you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's just like a fucking test. <laughs> but um, she was just like, don't practice thinking about, oh, you only have this amount of time to yeah. do this. Practice as if you have all the time in the world to devote to this piece because that's the only way you're going to actually fix yeah. anything. I think that's useful. I think that's useful too. I can't remember any pieces of advice about practicing I got from my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, think, that's... that's. Uh, I think I got some tips from my last harpsichord teacher. Are your friends. Are, are peers your friends. respect. Yeah, and it's just... I think really it's the idea of you're not practicing for a performance. Mm. I think that's the big thing. Mm. You're practicing because you have you want to be practicing. And you're seeing how far you can go yourself. Yeah, how right? much better you can be. Mm-hmm. And to the point where you don't have to be practicing repertoire either. Yeah. You can be practicing, you know, touch, for example. Yeah. That's something that I need to learn more of. Yeah. I am still always goal-oriented. Yeah. And if I don't have something pressing coming up, I don't practice. Like, I don't really sit there and practice thinking, oh, this is for my own benefit. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, I would love to get this piece done just for myself. Well, I mean, if you have a busy schedule and you're performing all the time, then of course. But I think, I think it's important to separate practicing from performance. Yeah. So practicing is practicing. Yeah. And you practice so that you feel comfortable to perform. But practicing is its own special thing. Yeah. Have you ever had somebody, like, actually comment on your practicing? Like, my brother, thank God I have an older brother who yeah. is very honest. He'll just be like, you just play everything fast. Do you ever practice? Like, you just you just play things fast. Like, what is... Yeah. How are you actually, like, actually getting the results? <laughs> like, <laughs> and he would say this several times and before I actually sunk in. I was like, what are you talking about? I practice. Yeah. But I wasn't actually realizing, yeah, he's right completely. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You have yeah. to practice slowly. And sometimes it's not fun. But Actually, it can be. It becomes really fun. It can become really fun. Yeah. Slower practice actually can be fun if you think about it in terms of meditation. Oh. Like as a way, like yoga is really being attuned yeah. with your body. I think of it as a way of being really attuned with how you physically are connected to the piano. That slow kind of practice becomes really fun. Like, trust me, it does. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a way of embracing it. I think it doesn't become fun when you're outside of it, just making up any and all excuses to not It's It's not fun when you don't embrace it. Exactly. Like they say, if you want to write, write. <laughs> if you want that? to practice, yeah, practice. The only way to be a writer is to write. It's really that simple. Like, if you want to do something, do it. Yeah. Don't put expectations or don't think so much about it. Exactly. 
I remember when I was at Taos, Bob was just listening to me practice. You can't avoid it. Like, he's so invested. Like, he'll actually, like, listen uh-huh. to what you're doing, which I think I'm... I thought I was alone, but apparently somebody that I'm very scared of was listening to how I was practicing. <laughs> and then later, he was just like, I don't see how you practice like that. I don't see how you actually expect to get any results practicing yeah. like that. Like, those kind of things just made me realize, oh, um... I got to think more about the practice and I actually have to like be invested in it. Yeah. And I think that's what you're getting at. That's like really being what I'm invested getting at. in it. Just just do it. It's that simple. So, okay. Yeah. You want to move on. What are you obsessed with? Shit, I haven't thought about that. I did have it. I did have something. Oh, okay, I got it. I'm obsessed with this new show on Netflix called Sensei. Oh boy, another Netflix show. But it's really good. It's by Tarkovsky siblings. Uh huh. It's a sci-fi-ish show, but it's not really sci-fi. And I won't give too much away, but it's best to give the show up, um, a fair amount of patience initially uh-huh. because it's a slow burn. But the thing is, it really pays off. We're used to shows that give you action right away, right? Yeah. That give you plot and give you a point and give you your dramatic arc immediately. This show doesn't give you that immediately because they spend a lot of time just telling you eight different stories, mm-hmm. eight different characters, really building each character to be complex, to be somebody to identify with. And these eight characters are from eight different parts of the world. Yeah, It plays like a huge 12-hour movie, basically. Uh-huh. Um, because the the assumption is that everyone consumes it in one night yeah. or are binging, and so I think you know how you were talking before about how we're all connected as humans uh-huh. that there's not really a separation. We yeah. really understand more than we we'd like to think as uh-huh. humans. That is what I think Sensei does really well is that they show how eight people from like Kenya and India, and from the U.S., and from London, and from all these various, from Seoul, Korea, they can all understand each other, and understand each other's problems very well. And I think it's it's a daring thing for a show to be so diverse, yeah. and so equal, and they're just super, their treatment of being different, because that's essentially what the show is about, yeah. is being different, and being persecuted for it. But they, they delve into gay and lesbian uh, topics. They delve into, like, issues like being closeted. They delve into uh-huh. issues like being a trans. There's, it's, it has a trans actor in it, mm. which, I mean, the fact that they have all these things and do not make it an issue. They don't, like, yeah. make it anything like a token thing. Uh-huh. It's just all very natural. I love it. I'll check it out eventually. Yeah. But I like experiencing these Netflix shows through you, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because, again, I've known you for a bit, and you're not a person who likes to watch TV. I don't. And then you are suddenly getting obsessed with TV shows. Well, I mean, Scott puts it on. No, I I think it's great. My obsession. I'm holding it in my hand right now. Oh, man. It's a forehand piece by Foray called Dolly. Is it Dolly? How would you say it? Dolly? Yeah, because I'm not French. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not pretending. I'm just pronouncing it the way it's supposed to be pronounced. Yes, but the conception is is that you become pretentious as you say Dolly. Everybody says Dolly. No one says Dolly, sweet. It's fine. 
This is the Dolly Suite by Foray. Just kidding. <laughs> with, I think it's the facial expression you make if you say Dolly, Dolly. with with yeah with your eyebrows arched, Dolly. they knits insufferable. <laughs> it's uh, I don't remember really the background of this piece. I know he wrote it. Is it for his stepdaughter or his daughter? I don't remember. Foray. I have no idea. But it's just a really sweet piece. And I think the best way to describe it is it just smells nice. <laughs> I think it's touching. Yeah? Yeah. Do you ever think of pieces just smelling nice? I can. I mean, for some reason, sometimes I have no other description for it than it, it just smells, smells nice. nice. And I think all of these movements smell pretty pretty darn good. You know, I don't really think of smells as often as I think of colors mm. or um, feel. Yeah. But, I mean, I can understand it. Like, there's a spicy, intoxicating smell yeah. toward, like, some Russian music I've played. That's or, true. like, yeah. I don't know. The opening movement of the, the Bersus, it just it, it smells nice. It's just this nice, pleasant, flowery smell. Hmm. And it's not like I'm synesthetic or anything. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting it's just like your first experience. Only, like yeah. some pieces, I, that's the first sense that huh. that's triggered. That's cool. I've yeah. never actually met that. Um, but I think we do a particularly touching version of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm obsessed with it. And I was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we are actually using it as our theme song, except for the fact that we Well, are. you can't give it away. They would have actually heard the theme song at this oh, point. For- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I can't why- keep our timeline straight. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which is why I had to ruin it. I ruin everything that I want. But anyways. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Check us out at somanywrongnotes.com. Yes. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with our very Asian Twitter handle. So many wrong not, not. <laughs> not oh, us. and leave us a review on iTunes. Yes, please. And yeah. if you liked it, tell a friend. Or two. Or ten. Or a class if you're a teacher. Or a class. Or the whole subway car. Or the whole, yeah. Whole subway car. Or even better yet, you just shout it out from the mountaintops. <laughs> Who's around a mountaintop, really? Hmm. Hermits. Goats. Tell Hermits. all the goats you own. Tell all the goats. Okay. All right, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night? Good night? I don't know. Good day? Good night? Good night, mate. Is that an Australian accent? It's pretty horrible. You know what? Say good, I, might, and then you always sound Australian. Really?